Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is 9.15 p.m. here on the 19th of February. The right to protest. Thank you for joining me this evening. I hope everybody is joining, is enjoying uh, the weekend so far. Being Sunday, tomorrow, here across Ontario and other provinces that uh, recognize Family Day. And uh, for those who uh, do have it off, like myself, go out there and uh, Enjoy your family and take more for the family activities that's going on across the city. And have fun. So today, you know, I did uh, I did a lot of uh, did a lot of reading today. And uh, thank you for joining me this evening. I'm your host Doug from Ontario, Canada. I hope you're having a good weekend here across Ontario and other provinces. Um, tomorrow is family day. It's, uh, it's not a stat holidays, uh, but it's a holiday that, uh, the government, uh, come up with a few years ago. Um, kind of just break up, um, I guess, uh, between Christmas and, uh, the March break and everything and, and, and give people another long weekend. <laughs> you've been, so you've been seeing, you've been seeing this show listed since 2020 and you've never been able to catch it. Well, I appreciate you coming out this time tonight and, uh, um, Thank you for joining me. So, like I said, uh, as you're coming on the show today, you know, um, I did a a lot of reading. And what, is, what has been taking place um, over, well, I guess it's pretty much taken... Mm, I think from since last October till, till now, um, there was um, a commission hearing um, to, to whether or not um, 
was the Federal Emergency Act necessary in order to disperse the truckers uh, truckers, uh, convoy protest in Ottawa last, last year, last January 2022. And the conclusion from the commission come out Friday, just passed. And the commission said that the federal government met the threshold to enact the Federal Emergency Act. Now that, you know, echoed across Canada. And uh, of course, you know, everybody, including myself, you know, has an opinion on whether or not it should have been enacted. My opinion is what took so long for them to enact it to begin with. Now, like any democracy, you know, um, to, you know, be able to protest. I mean, that's part of democracy. Now, what I have, what I have problems with is, is that when people cause a division between the right and the left, People like Pierre Polyev, who is the conservative leader of the conservative party in the federal government. People, another example, people like Donald Trump likes to cause division between the right and left. They're narcissists. They think they're better, but they have no, they have no narrative. They have no plan on how to, well, if things are, are, are broken, I mean, to, according to Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader says Canada is broken. And he blames the liberal government for this, the why Canada is broken. Now, and, and, and the conservative party, as though they have done everything right when they have not. So this is why we have, this is why we hold elections every four years. This is why people go out and vote. When they want change, they vote for change. So eight years ago, Canadians voted for change and they voted out the conservatives and voted in the liberals.
And like when any party loses an election. They like to cause division. See, Pierre Polyev blames the liberal government for everything. Every single thing that has happened in this country for decades. It's the liberals' fault. Not the conservatives' fault, not the NDP's fault, not the Quebec bloc's fault or anybody else's fault. It's the liberals' fault. He talks about, you know, why, you know, uh, rents are so high. Why the price of housing is so high. Why is food so high? Well, we can talk about rent because it's not, it's not federal. It's provincial. You know, when the mandates came out during the pandemic, you know, stay at home orders, shut down non-essential business, close schools, close office buildings. That wasn't federal. That was all provincial. Federal mandates were federal mandates. And, and anything that, uh, you know, is, is ran under the federal, like transportation. The rail, the, the railways, the waterways, such as ferries. Airports, border crossings and so on is all federal. Now, when it comes to the right to protest, I mean, there's, there's rules and there's law. Now, maybe somebody or people misinterpret the rules of engagement when it comes to protesting. There's a lawful protest and there is an unlawful protest. So doing a lot of reading today, I, I came across this article. Does the charter give me the right to protest? A democratic nation should not fear protests from citizens. 
in early 2022, Canada's capital, which is, is Ottawa, was the site of one of the longest and loudest protests in Canada. To justify their actions, protester to justify their action, protesters often point to Section 2 of the Canadian Charter Rights and Freedoms. It guarantees that every Canadian has freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media communication, along with freedom of peaceful assembly. The objective, peaceful. It's very important part of applause. That's because section one of the charter states that any of our rights are subject to reasonable limits. They are demonstrably adjusted, justified in a free and democratic, uh, 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 democracy society. So that means while the Canadians have the right to protest, they do not have the right to disturb the peace or impede the lawful activities of others. Now, the lawful activities of others is that, for an example, with the with the blockades all around Parliament Hill in Ottawa during this protest, businesses were allowed to open at that time. People could go. People could uh, go shopping go to work. But they couldn't. All the businesses around that area had to shutter their doors. Even the mall down there that employs over 200 people. couldn't go to work. So you don't have the right to impede other people's rights. So that means like I said, that while every Canadian has the right to protest, they do not have the right to disturb the peace. Blowing your air horns day and night is 
is disturbing the peace. The Ottawa Truckers pro, uh, protest did not meet that standard of a peaceful protest. Intimidation, harassment, assaulting, defacing statues, jumping up and down on the tomb of the unknown uh, soldier, defecating on the war memorial, on the war memorial, on the war memorial. Some participants claimed it was peaceful as there was little physical violence, but they, but there were media reports of people being intimidated, such as store owners who were threatened after they asked protesters to wear a mask before entering the premises. So we had mask mandates in place at that time. And like I say, the Rideau Center, the malls, the, lar the Ottawa's largest shopping mall had to close. You know, shows how the protest was impeding the lives of many others in the city. The people who work at the malls, approximately over 200 stores were deprived of income during the closure, while residents were denied products, as, products and services. The right to protest is not absolute. Just like your rights, uh, the Charter Rights and Freedoms, they are not absolute. And the Ottawa protesters and others along our nation's borders with the United States, many protesters waved copies of the Charter and claimed they were advocating for freedom. They had a flawed understanding of the limits of the constitutional freedoms and how the Westminster parliamentary system works. The common test used to determine if limiting a charter rate is reasonable and justified under the law comes from the 1986 Supreme Court of Canada and it's called the Oaks Rule. So the court ruled that the goal of limiting a right must be urgent and significant and that the, the way a right is limited must be proportional. And the Oaks test also requires a rational connection between the objective, a government trying to achieve and the right it is limiting. Let me phrase it this way. One person's freedom to swing their arms around ends up ends at the tip of another person's nose. 
In the Oaks ruling Supreme Court, Chief uh, Justin Brian Dixon wrote about the limits of Section 1 of the Charter places on Section 2. Canadian society is to be free and democratic. The underlying values and principles of a free and democratic society are the genesis of the rights and freedoms guaranteed by the Charter and the unlimited standard against which a limit on a right or freedom must be shown, despite its effect to be reasonable and demonstrably justified. Another thing that I was reading, and, and you know, this is, uh, you know, maybe people out there don't understand the differences between the United States in Canada, and you're Canadian, and you should know there's a difference. How about my my uh, Miranda or First Amendment rights? If you want to participate in a protest that may be considered illegal, you have to understand your rights. First off, Canadians do not have Miranda rights, nor are we protected by the First Amendment? Both of these are American legal constructs that have no relevance on this side of the border. When one of the organizers of the Ottawa trucker protest was arrested, her husband testified in a Canadian court that her First Amendment rights were being violated. And the judge answered, which rights are those? After all, we have a Canadian, we, we, we have in Canada a charter rights and freedoms. It's important to understand the difference. See, Canadians have the right to remain silent when being questioned by the police. They also have the right to request or speak to a lawyer. There are both, both charter rights. But if someone says, I'm taking the fifth, that's meaningless. The Fifth Amendment only offers protections in the American judicial system, not ours. The confusion about our rights versus American rights is understandable. We share a very close culture. We're bombarded with news from the, U from the US media so some Canadians assume we have the same laws and rights, and we don't. If you're going to participate in a protest, know the difference. Now, the other thing too that people um, people try to do and, and they don't understand uh, the governor general's powers and that the, the general, the, the governor general powers are limited. Now, one of the Ottawa protester organizers groups published a memorandum of understanding calling for the Senate and the governor general to overrule all levels of government and revoke COVID-19 restrictions. 
her office does not have the power to unilaterally dissolve parliament, nor meet with the protesters to discuss their demands. Now, like I said, people will only look at Section 2 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They don't look at Section 1 of the Canadian Charter of Freedoms, and, and, and it says that your Charter of Rights and Freedoms are not absolute. Now, reading other articles today, you know, because, um, you know, the, the organizers and the organizers' lawyers, you know, are hanging their heads low. They said it's a sad day for Canada. Now, I understand that, you know, there were people in this protest last January who had nothing to do with the organizers of the trucker podcast. They're just citizens. And they're protesting in their own way, not bothering anybody, going about their business and, and things lawfully. It's too bad when, when you have bad apples that then ruin it for everybody else. Like the organizers of the so-called Freedom Convoy. I've listened to their, to their testimonies at this commission. They could care less about the people who live and work in Ottawa. They didn't care that people were being intimidated and harassed and assaulted. They didn't care that the, that the, that they were disturbing the peace. It was all about them because they're narcissists. They showed no empathy. They had no control <clears throat> over anything. There's, there was different pockets of protesters throughout the area surrounding Parliament buildings in Ottawa. And all these different pockets had their own agendas. It was just chaos. If you told one person 
to stop blowing the air horns, somebody else continued because they didn't fucking care. They had somebody take down the 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 the, the articles and, and and all the stuff they they put on the Terry Fox statue. Somebody else would put something back up on there to deface it because they didn't care. If somebody stopped jumping on the tomb of the unknown soldier, somebody else did. Because they didn't care. The organizers didn't condone anything. They didn't have the backs of the citizens of Ottawa. They're there for their own cause. See, the organizers of, of the truckers podcast, uh, of the truckers uh, protest, they were not truck drivers. They jumped on the backs of the truckers for their own agenda. Now, when the federal government mandated uh, rules for the for the trucking industry over the vaccinations, that's the kind of things that just got things started. But then the the truckers, they wanted you to think and these are the ones that you know um, they're against all mandates anyways vaccines it didn't matter they're against all mandates they wanted you to believe that they could no longer work now, I've been in the truck industry for 35 years. And this is what I know. That we do have a shortage of truckers, but we don't have a shortage of work. 90% of the trucking industry here in Canada was vaccinated. And how do we know that? Because the vaccine certificates and no company, no trucking company is going to risk sending their drivers over to the United States and they don't even have to come back to Canada and, and self-isolate for 14 days. So this small fringe of truckers wants you to believe that they could no longer work. When in fact they could, because they they could work domestically. We have truckers here in Canada. We all don't cross. We all don't go into the United States. We have drivers that stay on this side of the border, and they run across the country every single week. Moving all the goods that we need. 
But that fringe minority in the trucking industry wants you to believe, wants you to cry them a river that they could no longer work. The, the groups of the organizers, I think there's probably maybe, I think there's probably maybe only two out of that entire group of these organizers were actually truck drivers. Of the organizers. The rest, well, one was a, a Wexit, meaning a separatist. The others were just anti-government. They've always been anti-government. Part of different different far-right radical groups. Now all this money raised, you know, $10 million or something crazy like that. You know, at first, you know, the government said it, it's all, most of it was all foreign, all foreign money and stuff like that. That's, that was not the case. Majority of the money came from Canadians. And businesses. You know, people lined, you know, people lined the streets, people lined the overpasses on the highways, you know, raising, waving the Canadian flag as, as the truckers are rolling through, as though they're some sort of superhero. That they're going to save the day. That they're going to go to Ottawa and they're going to make the government lift all the mandates and that the government's going to bow to their demands. Meanwhile, 95% of the mandates were provincial, not federal. We have 10 provinces and three territories in this country. We have one capital. And every government, every provincial government across this country had in place a time frame when these mandates would be lifted. But other problems, the other, the other problems that they, they ran into was communication. Communication between the Ottawa Police Services, the provincial government, ceases Another head of security 
not updating, not sharing information, whatever the case may be. See, Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario, you know, being the capital of Canada, if any protests are going to be held when it comes to government, that's where people are going to protest. That's when you have thousands of people ascend on the Capitol and protest. We never had any problems, minor problems. People would come and protest over the weekend and they'll go home. They're not going to overstay their welcome. They came, they protest, hope they've been heard. They got the message out and they went home. When you have a convoy of truckers spanning probably 15 miles long, they're not coming for the weekend. Common sense would tell you that. Then you had other small pockets of convoy from other provinces here in Ontario, Quebec, uh, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, all these other places, all these other small convoys ascending onto Ottawa. We have the right to protest. Everything was fine. Everything was fine when these rolling protests were moving on. I don't know how or why anybody would think that they were just going to be there for the weekend. Blockades are illegal. Blocking any streets or any infrastructure bridges, borders is illegal. Not only when that, when something that something like that takes place, not only does it um, hurt everybody else and they don't, the people who are doing it, not thinking that it's even hurting them because the goods and services are not getting through or really, really long delays. And then you're, then, then you're, you know, these, these truckers then are pinning themselves against other truckers. The truckers out there, like myself, keeping the goods and services moving, doing our job. and only being impeded and harassed for doing our job.
And again, when, you know, the, the, the uh, organizers, lawyers, you know, they're saying, oh, it's a sad day in Canada that, you know, the, 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 the commission inquiry came to the conclusion that the federal government met the threshold to invoke the Federal Emergency Act. Others are claiming that we didn't use all the resources that were available. Well, if the if, if the resources were available, we would have used them. You would have used those resources in the first week of that of that protest, and you would have cleared it out if you had the resources. It's quite evident that they did not. Yeah, you had you 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 had um, towing companies that right out refused to remove vehicles, and that's part of your resource. That's one of your main components of your resources of towing vehicles. And they just right out refused. They didn't want to get their equipment damaged. Potentially harm come to their to their drivers. The inability of, of the provincial government to give the resources more police they said they're going to give them more police but they only gave them more police hours not more police i mean the ottawa police services i think they probably have something Something like probably, let's say, I'm just guessing off the top of my head, under 600 police officers for the city. And on that first weekend, you had like 5,000 people ascending on the Capitol to protest. And any given work weekday, you had about 1,500 people. Our 500 police officers or whatever like that is going to remove those people. Truckers, the, the, the truckers there, you know, they, they tampered with their rigs and made them inoperable. which is illegal to do as truck drivers. They made it very clear that they weren't going anywhere. And they made it very clear they were going to stay there for as long as it takes. And for as long as it takes to lift.
mandates. I think all the mandates were lifted. I think it was by, um, I think it was like October of last year. So you think that they're going to stay there from January all the way through October? That they're going to stand there and barricade the roadways and blow their air horns all freaking day and have their have their big tents and, and bouncy castles and hot tubs going 24-7? You know, so getting back to the lawyers uh, of the uh, of the organizers, they too are saying that oh, their their charter rights and freedoms were 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 violated. You know, on, on the rights to protest. Obviously, they only read Section 2 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Now... Even before the Charter of Rights and Freedoms entrenched the constitutional rights to to freedom of of expression and association, the Canadian Supreme Court recognized these as implicit structural features of Canada's democracy. The ability for individuals to collectively and openly criticize government is an important foundation of democracy even maybe especially when it's unpopular, Section 2 of the Charter protects the rights and the rights in the Supreme Court given a generous and liberal in, 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 uh, a, a sorry, a liberal interpretation to the expression that it is protected, the values of the speech, whether it is good public policy based based in in science or accepted by the general public. It's not a condition for its protection under the charter to extend that the freedom convoy has involved involved peaceful protesters to convey political messages and criticism of pandemic law law and policy that reflects this constitutional commitment a noisy public marketplace of ideas that allows individuals to search for truth through open debate in an ideal of Canada's constitutional democracy. The idea is not something we should cast aside lightly, even if we might profoundly disagree with some of the messages it allows individuals to send, like carrying the swastika or the Confederate flag and Fuck you, Trudeau flags, and all this shit. A peaceful 
a peaceful protest where individuals convey disconnect with pandemic policy, public health restrictions, vaccine mandates, and even express unscientific opinions can be seen as a as a good of Canadian democracy. And while the rights under the Section 2 of the Charter are vital Canadian democracy, the Charter and the Supreme Court of Canada both explicitly recognize that no right is absolute. Now, for an example, in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, we have, uh, I think it's Section 33, where we have the notwithstanding clause. And what that does, it gives the, the, the provincial governments the right to take your rights away from you. An example of that is in Quebec, the Quebec government says that anybody working for the government, police, schools, or any public entity cannot wear the religion symbols. That is that that is, is is including a cross. But in the Charter of Rights and Freedom it says you can. And what that withstanding clause does is that now when they put that clause, when they use that clause. You can't challenge it in court. And even the court said, no, you can't do that. Well, you know what? They don't have to, the, the, then the government turns around, the provincial government, like, or like Quebec will turn around and say, well, I use the notwithstanding clause, so your ruling doesn't matter. Another one. Uh, here in Ontario, uh, the Ford government used the notwithstanding clause to prevent the uh, the teacher support workers from striking and, and collective bargaining. Forced them back on the job and gave them a 1% raise. So that's all you get. So when it comes to Section 2B, rights both the courts and the government have recognized numerous justified limitations to violence also as being ex uh, excluded from the scope of the Charter's constitutional protection. And threats of violence are also now clearly outside of Section 2B. Freedom of expression does not include an unlimited right of expression in any particular place. 
hate speech for one. And the right can run out when there is a fundamental incompatibility between the expressive activity and the place it is being carried out. Access of the Freedom Convoy protests that involve relentless noise, harassing residents, vandalism, or destruction of public property, and rendering public infrastructure unusable would all easily be justifiably limited or lie outside the scope of the right. There is no space under a constitutional banner for freedom to threaten or engage in violence. Protests often involve some transgression of the law, especially if there's targeting particular laws as just, and while the government can show some flexibility, there is a boundary between the legitimate protest and defiance of the law that undermines the broader values of the democratic governance. Protests that shade into the unilateral demands backed by even implicit threats of violence stop being democratic debate. And while space of the legitimate political expression is something that the Freedom Convoy might claim, many aspects of the protest are now falling outside the scope of the constitutional right. Governments have a responsibility to enforce limits on expression, explicitly those already reflected in the justified existing laws. See, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, that if you're uncertain about something, then you do your fucking homework. And these schmucks, this, this, these, these fringe minorities, and even their lawyers, Obviously, they didn't do their homework or they just didn't care. And if these lawyers are that fucking stupid, then you need to find another lawyer. And they can shove and they, and they can shove the, 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 uh, the Charter and Rights and Freedoms up their ass. And maybe they can put their heads between their legs and read it that way. Now, there are certain aspects of the involving freedom convoy movement that are simply incompatible with the rights and freedoms of the charter and our broader democratic ideas. The inclusion of individuals who openly displays swastikas or Confederate flags taints the protest with the endorsement of the racist and the hateful ideas that deny the freedom and equality of others. And that message matters for constitutionally justified limits on expression. Messages like these seek to undercut the rights of, of, of others' conflict with the purpose of the Section 2B, taking us further from any search for truth or public debate consistent with the commitments to equality 
and human dignity. And the mobilization of millions of dollars to support the protest that appears to draw on foreign supporters and the far-right groups promoting uh, promoting division and partisanship for, for their own ends and is a deeply concerning element of the Freedom Convoy limits on political advertising behind third parties that have been upheld in Canada based on the concerns that unlimited spending will lead to many debates and the megaphone unlimited money buys can also magnifying the harms of low value speech in fact it, it, you know it didn't um, uh, come from other foreign foreign supporters very little did actually so here's the this is, you know, this is what you were supporting. I mean, you were one of the people who, I don't care how much money you put in, you put $5 and you put $10,000, you put $75,000 into it. Wh- whose bank account did that money go into? Didn't go into the, trucker's, into the trucker's bank account. It went into the bank account of the organizers who wasn't a trucker. She was a separatist. GoFundMe deposited a million dollars into her bank account. How much money do you think? Oh, yeah, we're raising this money for the for the truckers. How much money do you think they were going to get out of that? And just before another million dollars was deposited into her bank account, that's when GoFundMe stopped it and realized what the hell was going on. That money wasn't for the truckers, ladies and gentlemen. That money was for the organizers to support and pay for for their own agendas and to keep the far-right radicals doing what they do. And this this, this fringe minority groups wasn't for the truckers. You're thinking that money was going for through the truckers, you have to give your head a shake. You know, these influences are potentially corrosive to Canadian democracy and the freedom it provides us. The freedom, the freedom convoy has exposed the extent to which the, 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 the modern environmental in which expression takes place is controlled by money and private platforms that are largely self-regulating the activities they support. This raises serious questions about how we should understand the scope of constitutional free expression or freedom of associate through financing when they take place in these largely private poorly regulated arenas. And the consequences of the Canadian democracy can be severe. As a country, we 
do not currently share the, the deeply partisan divide of our U.S. neighbor. But we should not be complacent. The Freedom Convoy highlights the need for Canadian governments to get much more serious in addressing these threats to, Can to Canadian democracy. Well, threats to Canadian democracy is like the leader of the Conservative Party, Pierre Polyev, who keeps causing fucking divide. Stands up in the, in, in the House of Commons and does nothing but fucking complain all day. Blame everything on everybody else. That's what he does. Do you think I want that for a leader? That's like Donald Trump. Donald Trump takes no blame for nothing. Spews all the bullshit and takes no blame for it. Matter of fact, Pierre Polyev, he supported the convoy. Then he blames it on the then he blames it on the liberal government. The liberal government caused the divide. Trudeau using the language uh, of um, of the fringe minority. You know, then Trudeau apologizes. I would never, I would never ever apologize. And I will not apologize for using the fringe minorities. These far-right radical groups. Call them the fringe minority. I won't apologize for that. The consequences for the Canadian... Uh, uh, democracy can be severe as a country we do not currently share the deeply partisan divides of the neighbors of the United States whether they like it or not the, the, these fringe minorities the far right radicals and their lawyers whether they like it or not, the decision has been handed down. If you want to challenge it, go right ahead and challenge it. That's your right to challenge it. Fact is, the federal government met the threshold to invoke the Federal Emergency Act. Because you don't have the right to blockade. You don't have the right to disturb the peace. You don't have the right to intimidate intimidate and harass and assault and impede others. And that's exactly what they were doing. And if people can understand that, I can't help you. You want to protest? Do it lawfully. 
If you can't do it lawfully, don't protest. That's your choice. And in the days ahead, you know, coming out of this long weekend, in the days ahead, there's still going to be talks about it. There's still going to be all the crying and bitching about it. And where all that crying and bitching is going to come from is from the fringe minority and their lawyers and everybody else who thinks they're going to get a shoulder to cry on. Don't come fucking crying on my shoulder because it ain't going to happen. You know, the, the uh, one occupation that was uh, taking place in Coots, Alberta, at the border of Coots in the United States. The RCMP finding weapons, ammunition, and body armor. What does that tell you? And the border crossing between Windsor and in uh, Detroit, you know, I think it went on for like a week. And people say, "Oh, oh, they didn't need the, the 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 emergency act to clear that out." No, because you only had maybe fifteen trucks. You know, compared to approximately. 500 trucks in Ottawa and hundreds of other smaller vehicles. There's no comparison. They had roughly during the weekdays, you had 1,500 people on weekends. You had over 5,000 and probably up to 10,000 people on weekends compared to a couple hundred people on the weekends in Windsor. There's no comparison. You have the police agencies, you know, can we blame them? Yeah, we can blame them in, in, in some ways for not opening up their eyes and see and, and see what was coming. They had they had time to do something about it and they did nothing. Sharing the information was inadequate, wasn't around, wasn't they weren't doing it, or they didn't believe it. You know, like like the, 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 the police chief of Ottawa thinking, oh, this is just going to be any protest, like any protest, because this is what happens in Ottawa. This We deal with protests all the time, he says. Well, you never dealt with this type of a protest. When all is lost, 
and then people are saying we could have used other tools in, in law to deal with it. Well, if you could have done that, why didn't you do it? I'll tell you why he didn't do it because he didn't have the tools to deal with it. And then finally, the federal government had to grow a pair. And the only way to give relief to the citizens of Ottawa and the relief to the business and people had to go to work was to invoke the Federal Emergency Act to kick your sorry ass out of there. I think you overstayed your welcome. Three weeks of that bullshit? Unbelievable. That's not a protest, that's an occupation, which is also illegal. So what part of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms these people don't understand, I have no idea. It's there in black and white. I think even a grade five, a grade five could understand section one and section two of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And then they complain about, oh, because the, 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 the liberals um, appointed a judge who supports the liberals. So he makes this, his, his decision because he's a liberal supporter. No, I don't think so. No, they're pissed off because it didn't go their way. I mean, it's quite evident that it wouldn't anyways. I don't know, it's something over, over 200 over 200 pages. That came to the conclusion. That the government met the threshold. To invoke the Federal Emergency Act. And of course, other leaders in the, in the government, like Pierre Polyev, you know, he'll go out there and he'll say all that shit. You know, the NDP leader, you know, he's sticking his neck out for Canadians. He's sticking his neck out to work with the government, you know, because we don't have we don't have a majority government. We have a minority government, and the difference is, when you have a majority government, 
You don't need the support from other parties. They're going to pass the law. They're going to pass the bills and make them law. When you have a minority government, you have to have the support of other parties. Well, you got one part, we got one party willing to stick their neck out and support the government. Conservatives could care less. They'd just rather stand up in the House of, uh, House of Commons and lay the blame on everybody else and keep causing division. The Bloc, the Bloc Quebec, they're out in the left field anyway. Well, that's all for me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I hope what I talked about, you know, you can understand. I'm sure you can. Now, I'm off tomorrow. It is a holiday. Not everybody gets it off, which is, I don't know, what was even the point if you're not, you know, you're going to have a long weekend. You know, um, it's not it's not a stat holiday. It's, I don't know, it's just a holiday. Family day is kind of just kind of up the, up the winter, you know, from Christmas to the spring break. But anyways, if you have it off, you live here in Ontario and other provinces of that that are, are doing it, enjoy your day off. I have the day off. But not all the drivers where I work have the day off. We have drivers that go to the United States, so they don't get that off. They, they have to go to the United States. I'm a city driver. I don't cross the border anymore. I haven't crossed the border in years. So I get the day off. <clears throat> so... Um, There are some things I do want to talk about and uh, I could be out here at nine o'clock in the morning, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. When is the date tomorrow? Oh, it's the 20th of February. You know, that's great because there's four more weeks left of winter. That's it. That's all that's left. Four weeks. 20th March is springtime. So one more. One more month. Hasn't been that bad of a winter. Yeah, we had some storms. We had that great big storm before Christmas time and that really sucked. we had some snow and shit after that but that was like that but now there's no where i live anywhere in, in the city <clears throat> you know there's very to little snow left it's it's gone we had uh what day was it um wednesday last week it was something like 16 celsius so you know we were up to you know in the high 50s 
That was unheard of for February. Usually February is just brutal. But not this February. So, oh no, winter is, uh, hasn't been that bad. So, anyways, four more weeks until spring, and that's good. Maybe people start feeling better and get over this. So, anyways, thank you for joining me this evening, ladies and gentlemen. And um, what did I have? That I have on my agenda. Click on here. I got so much stuff on this. Oh, we talk about alcohol. That's a good subject. We all like to drink, right? Let's talk about that at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, tomorrow, February the 20th. Hope you can join me. That'd be great. If you can't, I understand. But until then, take care. Be safe. Have a good week. Thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm.